1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to Across the Romaverse uh, here on Chiesa di Totti. This is Steve with Sean alongside me today for our uh, recap and just, you know, roundup of the, the nil-nil draw against Sassuolo at the Olimpico yesterday. Uh, a hard-fought draw from Roma, who we'll get into, was down a man for much of the match, um, and they pulled out that point. So just a quick recap heading into the match. You know, Sassuolo was third on the table, the surprise outfit of, up to this point in the season, they were on 18 points heading in. Roma were level with Napoli and Juve on 17 points, but technically in sixth place because of goal differential and the head-to-head with Napoli. So both teams headed in fairly good form up to this point in the season. You know, Roma was coming off their first actual loss on the pitch against Napoli. So there were some big question marks of the Jalarosi heading in, even though they had won on Thursday in the Europa League, to see if they would bounce back. Mother Nature was not very cooperative yesterday. Uh, if you saw the match live, and if, especially if you saw the warm-up shots, the, the rain was pouring down during warm-ups, uh, made for a very wet pitch. The rain continued into the match, not quite at the same intensity, but the wings, especially along the sidelines, were very wet. Early in the match, definitely had a, an effect on how the ball was moving. Uh, also affecting this match for both sides were some of the key missing players. Chicho Caputo missed out for Sassuolo, along with Gregoire Defrel and and uh, Vlad Kirikesh in defense were some of the big absentees for Sassuolo. For Roma, of course, Gianluca Mancini and Chris Mulling were both out in the defense, and so was Jordan Vera, too, in the midfield. So three of Roma's regular starters missed out on this one. Uh, we'll get into some of the key moments, even though this was a nil-nil. We had a couple... Disallowed goals on Henrik Mkhitaryan's goal because of a foul by Edin Dzeko, which went to re, you know VAR review and was disallowed. And then Lucas Harrislin had a beautiful struck shot uh, in the second half for Sassuolo, which was also ruled off, thankfully for Roma because of a very close offside call where he was literally about a, a half of his foot, you know, past the defense to bail Roma out. Um, after the match. You know, and after the rest of the round 10 results, Sassuolo has now fallen down to fifth on 19 points because Milan continues to win They're at first on 26, followed by Inter on 21, Napoli and Juve on 20, Sassuolo 19, Roma 18, followed by rivals Lazio on 17, uh, Verona 16, and Atalanta 14. So very tight top of the table, you know, places... Three through nine are separated by a total of six points between third place Napoli, ninth place Atalanta. So uh, Roma's in sixth, but it's very tight. So there's going to be a lot of, you know, ups and downs through the year. So uh, a crucial point for a Roma side who was down a man. Uh, But before we get into the key moments and everything, Sean, how are you doing today?
0: I'm all right. I mean, we're looking at Roma having arguably failed both of our first two tests that we've been talking about the last few weeks about whether they can really make it a, you know, a Jed or Christmas and be top of the table. It's not looking that way so far, but I'm, I'm okay with what I see. I'm, I'm feeling all right today. How about you?
1: I'm doing well. Um, you know, based on the way the game played out, the match played out, it was a good point. I thought for Roma, which we'll get into a little bit later, you know, like we had mentioned a little disappointing that they haven't gotten a win these last two weeks after we had talked about, you know, the shortcomings that happened in December sometimes, but, this match, I feel like, was a little bit more of a one-off than that Napoli match, a uh, little less concerning, especially because we did get that, that win in the Europa League to clinch the group on Thursday, uh, which you and I hadn't gotten a chance to talk about uh, together. Yeah. But I thought it was very big to see them actually win that match coming back you know, down a goal after the Napoli mm-hmm. defeat more than this bothers me about losing, uh, not losing, but rather drawing this match um, because the, situ- the circumstances, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. It was, uh, it's even even the Napoli match. We when we spoke about it the day after, we we both agreed that that was a match where uh, so many. I mean, it was disappointing in terms of the players not showing up, but there's not really much you can do to plan for that ahead of time. So yeah, it's been a strange um, winter so far of, of intangibles not really playing in Roma's favour, and and we're looking at a team that's um, managing, but uh, we hope that they'll, they'll be doing better in, in the next few weeks.
1: Yeah. And just real quick before we get into the key moments, do you think the weather played a factor into this match at all or do you think it was you know equally yeah, yeah it had, it had to
0: I mean uh, I look when I was looking at the game uh, you can't say then you know that, that it's sometimes you just see that uh, maybe it's just that anyone who's, who doesn't think so maybe we, we've just gotten so used to seeing bad pitches and say yeah that we're just used to it by now But, you know the, the ball is meant to be moving faster um, than it than it is and it's you know, it's, it's hampering. Not just our games. So it's not. It's not an excuse because you know Sassuolo. They play at the ball on the ground. They wouldn't be happy with it either. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's no excuse for Roma. But it's just a shame that we're looking at um, the type of games where really you got you got to be able to play the hoof ball um, more than anything. And probably that's why you know no disrespect to Milan, but probably that's why they're top of the table because the game is based on that. You know, you launch the ball up to Ibra and, and make it happen from there.
1: Yeah. Um, And just one quick note, one interesting stat I saw, they have uh, more penalties for this year, I think, than Roma, uh, I think Juve, Napoli, and Lazio, like four teams combined. So that's certainly an interesting stat that's emerged Mm -hmm. thus far, a trend early in the season, um, to go along with that strategy. Uh, Just a couple quick numbers before Sean and I get into the key stats. Um, You know, so as expected with Sassuolo up a man for 50 minutes of the 90, they did control possession 57-43. Uh, They are a team that likes to hold possession. Uh, Roma actually had 16 total shots to Sassuolo's five. So the Gialrosa, despite being down a man, still put quite a few shots toward the goal, not many on target, which, you know, is something we we discuss often as being something that they can improve on. Um, But to start off with some of the key moments, which led to those numbers, certainly the first big moment was Pedro getting his second yellow card uh, I saw a stat on Twitter it was his first league red card in his career um, across <laughs> La Liga, the premier league. And now Serie A. I I think it was 351 matches if I remember correctly. So <laughs> surprising stat. Um, I thought it was warranted. I know some people said the first yellow was soft, but the second one was one of those tactical fouls. That's always a yellow card. He put his hand on the, the player's shoulder on the break and got that yellow card. Uh, yeah. What did you make of that whole situation? Did he, get, did he make the right decision, first of all, to stop that counterattack? And do you think it warranted a red card, Sean?
0: Um, I, I, didn't, I didn't get the chance to rewatch the play too often, to be honest with you. So I'm not sure it just how good his attack was at, the, at that point. But um, I just I think that you don't put the referee in that position where you, you leave him with no option but to send you off. You know, he, he knew that he was on a yellow. We know he's uh, one of the most experienced players in our squad. He's as you, as you just said, he's never taken a red card before, never got himself sent off. So you'd expect him to just know better. Um, I, I, unless he saw some like unless he saw Sassuolo with like a three on two or something ridiculous where you just have to take him out. I, I just that, that's the only thing that could warrant taking such a drastic decision like getting yourself sent off. But he was actually protesting after. The decision, and so like de- like had a delayed reaction is like he didn't expect to get booked, and I find that hard to believe. And if that, if that was what's going through his mind, that he felt like he could actually make that foul and get away without a card, because um, as you said, you know, he, he broke up a Cesaro counter. Um, it's, it's a booking all day, and, mm-hmm. and the fact that he, he didn't, it, if it really didn't register with him that he, was, that, he that was going to be yellow, I'm surprised. Maybe his, his head wasn't just just isn't there, and it, it kind of feeds into the question marks of the last couple of weeks. Is Are we, are we overworking Pedro? You know, um, because we've just gotten a man sent off for the first time in his career. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, amazing <laughs> that a player of his caliber, you know, and his experience gets sent off for the first time now at this point. Uh, yeah. Attacking players very rarely get sent off for two yellows because of defensive plays like that. Um, I don't, yeah, like I don't, he did look shocked. And I was surprised because, you know, like you said, normally a play like that is always a, a yellow card. Um, I don't know if he thought maybe the first yellow was soft, so he might get a little leeway with the referee the second time around. Um, you know, the first time his boot was high, it looked like he caught, I think it was Domenico Berardi, in the chest area. Yeah. Berardi went yeah. for his face, which, you know, made things look a little bit worse probably than it was. But, yeah. again, the boot was high. So, you know, do you think that was a yellow card?
0: Yeah, it was a correct call. That, on yeah. that one, you have, you have more leeway. It's, really, mm-hmm. it's more to the ref, to referee's yep. discretion. Um, but if if the referee decides this card okay fair enough you know i can 't say that he 's wrong on paper um i didn 't agree with we talked about it before we got on air a little bit that um fabio moresca 's all round performance was not good i didn't mm. didn 't like it and neither did you but um and but you know i i can 't look at it on paper and say well he 's wrong it 's a high foot and normally that 's a booking so that 's fair enough I, I just for me i 'd expect more common sense from Pedro after getting booked to not make a tactical foul because that, that one, the second one is why the referee has no option. You know, it's, a, it's a tactical foul. It's not like, it's not up to interpretation. It's, it's literally, you know, it's a yellow card every time. So.
1: I, I agree. If they had, had happened in reverse order, he might've had a little leeway on the second one. If the yeah. high boot came second, because it wasn't the most egregious high boot I've ever seen. But yeah, yeah on those tactical fouls, they're always called. And I didn't think he had to make that challenge. It was right around midfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, it looked like Roma had a couple defenders back. So you know what? If Sesswell ends up beating you on the counter... And you're down a goal, so be it. I felt like, but mm-hmm. to put your team in that position with someone who's so experienced as Pedro is, I thought it was a silly play. I, I was I was disappointed in that in him um, yeah. because he's been nothing but you know a great role model for the team since he's come over. And I thought that was his first like kind of bad bad play he's made, and it it you know it looked like it was going to cost the team, but yeah. in fact the red card seemed to have worked in the kind of opposite way than we would have expected. Because when it happened, I was like, oh, boy, here we go. A team like Swallow attacks well, holds the ball well. And now we're going to be chasing the game for 50 minutes. But did, do you think the red card actually worked in Roma's advantage in some way, Sean?
0: That's how I felt. That's how I felt at the time. I, really didn't, I didn't have my head in my hands at all when we went down to 10 men because I, I actually was looking at the game as pretty boring before that um, with, the, with the weather bogging down the pitch, uh, the slow play, and Sassuolo looking like they're playing a lot. Like how Napoli uh, managed to stop us a week ago by blocking the wings, pushing up, uh, well, keeping their midfields, um, sitting out wide, blocking the, the runs and the passes from the fullbacks. Um, we know that since uh, Fonseca switched to three, four, one, two, or two, I forget the numbers now, but three at the back, um, that Roma are basically looking to start off plays by getting the the, the wide centre back to pass out wide as their first ball. Um, that first point of attack, first build-up. And uh, what we're seeing now, at least since last week, and now before this Pedro red card, in the first 40 minutes of this game, we saw um, Sassuolo playing very similar, which is you know, they just blocked the wings. They you know, they they tell Roma's fullbacks, look, you're going to have to run through us or you're going to have to pass it around us. And uh, that what we're seeing is Roma being forced to pass it back and being kind of stuck in her own half. So all this to say that, when I saw that for the first 40 minutes, I thought, okay, we're, we're in for a pretty boring day here. But then when, when we went down to 10 men, I knew that, you know, well, at least I had a feeling that Sassuolo would get more confident and they'd start to think, okay, you know, we've got, we've got a potential win away at the Olympico in the back here. If we just, you know, take a risk. And um, with Sassuolo taking more risks, it just fed into Roma's counter-attacking game, which we'll see in a minute. Cause uh, I know you've got some numbers about how the, Roma shots. Right? You've mentioned it already, but how Roma started shooting on Sassuolo's goal much more when they went down to ten men.
1: Yeah, and in fact, just four minutes later is when uh, Henrik Mkhitaryan we thought unlocked the match with a goal. Uh, it was an interesting play. It was a great Roma counter attack uh, started by Jako. He fed Pellegrini, I believe, and then Pellegrini had uh, Pegolo, who was starting in goal for Sassuolo, coming out towards him with. Uh, I believe it was Ferrari running toward the the near post to kind of just take away the goal because Pegolo had come out and Pellegrini uh decided against shooting and tried to pass it back to jeo was a little under hit which led to uh, a cessola player getting you know in the way of Jeo the ball ricocheted and came to Mikatarian who shot it and put it in and we thought. Okay, who, here who we did, go.
0: Who did who did what? Pellegrini should have done. Yeah, who
1: did what? <laughs> Pellegrini probably should have done. Yeah. Uh, shooting at the open net, up one nothing. It looked like the goal was given by, by Maresca on the pitch. Roma celebrated, uh, but then VAR intervened and it looked like rightly called back the goal because when Jecca went for the pass from Pellegrini, he got a piece of the Sassuolo defender who had gotten in between the ball and Dzeko, uh, before the ball ricocheted to Minkatarn and went in the net. So, um, justified to call the, the goal back, Sean?
0: Regretfully, I have to say yes. Uh, I, I really wanted that goal to stand because I would have looked like a genius. I would have looked on the money. I, I said in the game for a little time, I said, look, the 10, 10 men could work in our favor. Um, we might get a chance to hit him on the break. And that's exactly what happened four minutes later. Um, so, I sort of pushed, started pushing up and we punished him on the break like we, we like to do. That's, that's Rumbas preferred playing style right now. Um, but yeah, as you said, uh, at the moment Pellegrini passed the ball back, cut it back to Dzeko, Sassuolo did intercept it and they had possession of the ball. And the, on- the only reason why they lost it at that point was because Dzeko fouled the, fouled the yeah. defender. So yeah, it's, for me, it was the right call. I don't know. How you, how do you feel about it?
1: I, I agree. I thought it was the right call. Even in lifetime, it looked like there might've been something to it. And then as soon as they went to VAR, I said, you know, there's, there's no way this is going to stand up as soon as I saw the first replay. Cause it was pretty yeah. clear that Dzeko got a piece of the defender, uh, unfortunate for Roma, of course, because, you know, scoring right after they had gone down a man really could have shifted the, the game to their advantage. Um, Pellegrini, I was, I was a little shocked in lifetime that he didn't shoot the ball. You know, mm-hmm. the goalkeeper was coming out at him hard. The defender was running back toward the goal line to possibly clear off a shot. But, you know, I thought there, he should have just taken a shot at it. Um, I don't know if that's because he hasn't been in goal scoring form much in a Roma shirt. You know, he's been more of an assist man. Um, but with the wet pitch and trying to cut the ball back on the ground, I thought the better option was to just shoot. What did you make of it?
0: I agree with you. Uh, if if Pellegrini just shoots it and finishes it, we're not even having this conversation. Um, I, you know, Mkhitaryan did exactly what, what should have been done, which is you know, if you get a goal chance that good, just put your foot yeah. for it and, and score. You know, um, it's shocking to me that since Pellegrini has moved to Roma or moved back to Roma, sorry, that his his Confidence in front of goals has completely gone out the window, and uh, I I I don't know what to make of it. But I I did mention, so I did hear, one of our foreign members mentioned at the time they they were listening to the game uh, without commentary, and they they claimed they had Edin Dzeko actually tell Pellegrini to pass it back to him. He called for the mm. for the cutback, so maybe Lorenzo was just deferring to Edin Dzeko on this.
1: Could be. I, yeah. I mean, we, you know, I had commentary, so I wouldn't have heard something like that, but I mean, it's completely possible. And then as that being your striker, it's, you know, very likely he would have deferred to Jecko. but mm. if he did not the best pass in that situation, either a little bit more exactly. weight on the pass and Jekyll probably buries it. Yeah. Um, either,
0: either do a great, make a shot or make a pass, but he actually failed at both. So, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. Unfortunate Cause I thought Pellegrini had a pretty decent game and he's been in pretty good form, but the goal scoring is something that, you know, Chipping in one here or there would definitely add to his game a little bit because he did have that ability uh, yeah. at, during his time with Sassuolo, ironically. Yeah. Um, who he gets gunshot against here. Now, right after that, uh, unbeknownst to many of us, during the actual happening of it was Paulo Fonseca being sent off right before halftime because, you know, they cut away from the coverage. And then I'm over here on Twitter checking some commentary, seeing what people think of the match so far. And then I saw that Fonseca was also sent off, given a red card right before halftime. So um, Campos took over as Roma, you know, started to actually assert themselves more in the second half, which we'll get to soon. Uh, but first we'll just go through a couple more of the key moments. Um, Roma did not make any subs until the 82nd minute. Um, and I had a theory behind that. I saw a lot of people calling out on Twitter. I try to scroll through every few minutes during the live action to see what people are thinking. And, you know, a lot of people were calling for subs. And I understand why they were calling for subs because Roma's playing, you know, 10 men, they're playing against a possession-based team, so they're doing a little bit of chasing, uh, trying to spring counterattacks and really hit them hard quickly. But I thought the reason why Roma stuck with and whether it was Fonseca or Campos making those decisions with Fonseca red card, was because things were working so well for Roma that I think they were a little worried to tinker with things because Roma, like, you, like we had mentioned, played better after the red card. Uh, yeah. What do you make of the no subs until the 82nd minute?
0: I was actually one of those people calling for subs. So yeah. uh, I, I just felt like if, we, if the game was shaping out to be us counterattacking, you want faster players in, you know, on the break. Um, I felt like you could have brought in Carlos Perez or mm-hmm. um, Boya Merrell. But um, especially Merrell, because I, I feel like at this moment, I prefer him in the lineup, not necessarily as uh, compared to Edin Jacko, but compared to a lot of people feel like he's he's one of the players that actually gives me confidence right now. So um I yeah, I was I was calling for that, but um it did occur to me during the match you know what, maybe he wants to stick with some players that um you know to, to let them show themselves that even in, in a in a moment of doubtful form, let's say, you know, uh, like that, you know, Mikotarian had a doubtful game against Napoli last week, even despite the fact that he's been on fire this season. Um Jekyll's coming back from a bit of a spell on the sidelines you know maybe he wants to let those players show themselves that they could they could get get the result in the back, like you're saying so um yeah i can definitely see your, your point of view i just i have to be honest at the time i was calling for subs you know almost yeah. immediately
1: yeah and, and normally i would i would definitely say subs and i i don't know if part of the reason why they didn't make a sub is i don't know if they don't have the confidence in carlos perez right now because he's like the only option for that Mkhitaryan role on the bench mm-hmm. these days, or I thought Meyer all would have been a good sub a little bit earlier in the second half. They didn't bring him on until the 85th minute. I thought, give him a chance on the counter attack. Like you said, yeah. he's a quicker player than, than Dzeko. He's in form. We know Dzeko admitted uh, over the week um, after the Napoli match that he wasn't really fully fit, you know, 20 days at home was very tough on him physically. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I would have liked to have seen that change a little bit earlier. Um, because it's like you said, I, he's been in form.
0: I haven't haven't looked at it yet um, to answer my own question, but what, when was the last time you saw a Roma striker get off to – in terms of pure goal-scoring form, um, as good a start as Mira has done in Roma so far?
1: It's, it's got to be a while because even when Dzeko came over, he had a rough first season under Spalletti. Yep. It was the second season yep. he really exploded. Uh, we yep. know Schick didn't have the, the most success um, – Someone like Wani Turbe didn't have the most success. I'm trying to think of anybody else in recent years. Kalinic took a while before he finally started to chip in over the yeah. summer. So, yeah, that's a uh, great point too.
0: You go back to maybe Mattia Destro. I can't remember. I wasn't yeah. actually around watching game by game when he when he first started off, right? But I get the impression he didn't he didn't make a prolific uh, uh, start to Roma. He'd actually waited until the middle of Rudy Garcia's first season to really hit hit the ground running. Yeah. So, you know, we're talking about, a striker, a young striker, who has mm-hmm. gone off to um, probably the best form that any Roma new signing has gotten off to in, in the last seven to ten, ten years, maybe, and, and we're talking about him about like as if he's you know in average form. If this is average form from here out, I'd like to see him get games <laughs> so he can get yeah. to good form.
1: You know, <laughs> that's a good point. <laughs> I'll take I'll take uh, you know four four goals in you know ha- less than a dozen matches any day from yeah. a, a young striker. Who's yeah. Not getting regular minutes in the league, um, so some other miscellaneous moments that were talking points a little bit later on was the, one of them was the foul that Lorenzo Pellegrini took from Pedro Obiang in the 79th minute. Uh, Obiang got yellow carded. It took a it took a second for Maresca to pull out the yellow card. Many called for a red card. Even some of the commentators questioned whether it would be a red card. Don't think it even went to VAR officially. I'm sure VAR did a check, but. Moreska never went to look at it on the monitor. It looked like a pretty bad challenge. Uh, we've got word today that Pellegrini actually has some pretty serious swelling today still from that foul, the studs-up mm. challenge that he took. So we hope he is okay because he's, like we said, it has been pretty good form. And we know that with two out, the midfield's a little thinner than we'd like. Um, your thoughts? Was that a red card, do you think? I didn't get
0: – I didn't really watch it on the replay. I, I didn't notice at the time how bad it was. I just – I I – I must have been like thinking about other stuff because I was—I just thought, okay, I saw Pellegrini pick himself up and then have problems that like he went back down. Um, I was more concerned about Pellegrini getting yeah, injury. Like, you I know, agree. Like you, know, like you said, he he grew into the game and uh, he he was playing really really well in the second half. So I, I was just like, look, please just don't let us lose Lorenzo to anything serious. Um, the card, I wasn't really too bothered about it because I haven't seen it on the replay. But I, I gather you, you feel it's a red card.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, based on the the commentary I, I don't remember it that vividly, like you said i did I only saw it as many times they showed it on the replay on the telecast, which was only you know once or twice, but yeah. you know um I saw some of the commentary from de dello Sport today and some of the other um you know commentaries that I saw, and you know they they examined Moresca and they said that you know besides having a horrible match that that was a deserved red card okay. um, as well as another quote unquote miscall later in the half was a possible handball on Sassuolo. I don't recall which defender it was, but Spinazzola whipped him across. The defender had his hand sticking out around his, you know, midriff section, I'd say right around his waist or so. Ball struck him on the hand. Moresca did not give a penalty, did not go to VAR review. um, And Roma did not get a penalty called in their favor, which was really the last good chance. You know, Roma had a couple... Dzeko had a shot near post, which he missed wide. There was a Spinazzola cross, you know, a little bit earlier. Wait, was it, it was on target,
0: but it was saved.
1: Oh, the saved so one, Gekko, yes. Yeah, and then yeah. uh, Spinazzola had the cross that hit Dzeko around the thigh, I believe, and then it kind of oh, yeah. raised the post, too. That it was the near, yeah. nearly a goal for Roma. So they had their chances. They actually had three more attempts than they did in the first half. In the second half, down a man. So speaks to the point we made earlier about the game opening up. Um, yeah, that's why
0: that's why I'm not too bothered about the Obiang red card or not because if 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 Obiang gets sent off, can you really say that 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 um, favours Roma? I I don't feel like mm, it does. So yeah. in terms of, from a purely biased Roma perspective, I don't feel like that cost us the result at all. I was more miffed by um the incident in between that and the missed handball where um. Uh, Spinazzola was pole-axed, uh in the second half, yes. and the referee just didn't didn't pull out any card whatsoever. Yeah, and that was that was really the moment where I thought, okay, Maresca for some reason has got us, got it in for us today, and I rarely ever think that about referees ever. Um, but uh, it was it was getting a bit heavy handed yesterday in terms of like how how many calls he made that were a bit of a mystery to me. So yeah.
1: Yeah, that that was concerning, too, because I think that might have even happened right before Pellegrini came off. It was right before or right after, and he looked like, you know, it was a pretty nasty challenge that he could have gotten injured, and, you know, we know how important he's been to Roma this year. So, yeah, uh, yeah Moresca, not a great performance. I think the the most baffling thing with the Obiang and the missed Hamble, neither one went to VAR, and I think that's what turns people off the most, because if okay. you have VAR, you know, what's the point of having VAR if you're not going to look at those incidents? I don't have as much of a problem with the handball not being called because it wasn't a blatant you know arm way out kind of handball we talked about it before we came on you know by the letter of the law is it a handball based on what we saw a lot last season it was being given a lot yes um but it was one of those point blank guy's hand is fairly close to his body so you know if you don't call it you don't call it I understand there's some gray area with the handball rule but at least take a closer look I I think was my bigger issue with the whole thing What, what did you make of the handball how did you feel about it?
0: Like I said, before we got there i i could i could un, i felt like on paper it should be given because um, i 've seen enough decisions taken that 's been given that I feel like to turn back now would be too inconsistent, yeah, but um, uh, as you said, just on a pure common sense level it doesn 't bother me at all that it wasn 't given you know, I, yeah. I would not want to win a game that way um, because then we 're talking about a completely different story after the match that doesn 't really reflect reality. And then uh, I I wouldn't want it to become a thing in football where players are looking for that type of handball to win games, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, they're, they're looking to not... You know, they're not looking to pass it to the teammate in the ball to finish a chance. They're looking to hit the defender's hand and get an easy decision. So I just don't... I don't like where the handball rule has gone to right now. And I missed the old rules before, uh, you know, VAR was even a thing where it was just... There, was just, there seemed to be more common sense. Um, yeah.
1: Uh, more gray area. Yeah, I, I I agree. It's one of those. If they had called it against Roma, I would have been very disappointed in it being called. Yeah. So that's yeah. why I don't have as much of a problem. But I, I agree that Where the handball rule has gone, especially last season, we saw it so much. They were calling everything. I mm-hmm. think there has to be a little more common sense in the handball calls. So uh, we'll 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 stop the recap part of it there. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, we'll talk about some bigger you know broader topics and some concerns we have going forward. So. Bear with us for a minute for our quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. All right, welcome back uh, after our commercial break. So one um, thing we wanted to point out was the counterattack versus Roma holding possession. Um, so Roma, like we said, managed more shots uh, with less of the bull in the second half, you know, in the counterattack phase of the game. So, Sean, what do you make of Roma countering versus when they hold possession, like against teams like those Udinese matches where they seem so difficult to break teams down?
0: Well, I... I, I... So we sort of touched upon it just earlier in this episode and we've been we've been creeping on this whole topic for the last at least for the last two weeks. Um I I just feel that um Roma they like to to bait opponents onto them and they like to uh spring counterattacks by I mean we've seen it more and more this year. Roma are playing deeper and deeper in their own half when they're when they're doing the build up. Um even when you see the Europa League games on Thursdays, uh it doesn't matter whether it's, whether it's one Jesus at the back or not. You'll see uh, Roma's centre backs uh, split between the keeper. Um, all, almost all four of their midfielders, well, yeah, not almost, all four of their midfielders will come back deep, and and they'll really try and do everything they can to convince the opponent to to start pressing them in their own half. Um, and as soon as it gets into the opponent's half, Roma want to finish that move off within you know five seconds or maybe a bit more. But we're not we're not a team that likes to hold on to the ball much in the opponent's half. We've seen Fonseca admit in interviews openly in the last week or so that he's, he's fallen out of love with possession and he's, he's more, since he's moved to Italy, he's, he's appreciated attacking transition more, Um, you know, hurting opponents as soon as you win the ball back and hurting them fast. So uh, yeah, we're seeing, we're seeing Roma really trying all they can to try and get opponents to, to press Press on, push up onto Roma in Roma's half, and uh, what we're now seeing is that in the last two games, at least in Serie A, opponents are falling for it. You know, they're, they're 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 posting up men out wide to to block Roma's first um, route of uh, route of um, route of attack outside their own half. Um, they're they're posting up men to block Karsdorp and Spinazzola, and uh, and also to block Karsdorp and Spinazzola from passing it into the middle. They want Roma to, to push to pass it backwards and uh, and um, yeah, it's it's making for so far something a bit more stale from Roma. Not not completely stale, but it's uh, it's more sterile. And um, but, but what we saw yesterday was um, after Roma went the man down, so completely changed tact. You know, they didn't they didn't, they weren't focused on um, neutering Roma as much as they were trying to take the game to them and, and generally trying to win win the game. And that plays into Roma's favor because it's, it's back to um, Roma's plan A, which is just hit him on the break. Um, what, what do you make of like the imbalance yesterday and, and how the red card seemed to change the game and Roma you know, grew into the game?
1: Yeah, I, I mentioned earlier, I was, you know, unlike you who thought the red card could play into Roma's favor, I was thinking more from the traditional perspective of, oh, now we're down a man for 50 minutes yeah, right, against yeah. a scoring team. This is going to be tough. And I, I was surprised, you know, that they were able to, first off hit them back so quickly on the counter attack with the, the called back goal from a because they, that was a great opportunity, you know, called back or not. And they had a couple other chances in the match. And I was surprised, you know, I figured Roma would have to sit back, try to counter. Um, but the fact that they had more chances in the second half, I thought spoke volumes to the way they're looking to play this year. And it is a little concerning because now we've seen two weeks in a row, like you mentioned, 11 on 11, where teams are taking away those wings, which have been, really what Roma's done a lot of this year, especially Spinozolo down that left. They come down that left flank very hard, look to cross in balls, look for him to take men on. Um, and I worry about what's going to happen when they play some of those lower block teams, like um, I think they play Bologna next. I'm sure Bologna's going to look to take away those kind of things too. Mihailovic's teams don't tend to score a whole ton. They, they tend to defend pretty well. We've seen in the past, they've hit Roma on the counter in past season. So it worries me a little bit because we saw against Udinese, they had trouble breaking them down. Um, Fiorentina was tough to break down and they only won that match one, nothing on um, that Spinazzola goal. So, uh, I worry against some of these smaller clubs and then when the bigger clubs like the Napoli's, you know, do it effectively, look what they did to us afterwards. You know, once they got that goal and opened the match up for themselves, it was, it was bad news for Roma. So it'll be interesting to see how Fonseca adjusts. You know, we have Atalanta coming up in a, cu- a couple of weeks, uh, two weeks from yesterday. So that'll be a, a big you know, matchup for them. Uh, they might be able to play more counterattack against Alanta because Alanta likes to control possession. But outside of teams like that, most teams I think will be happy to see possession of Roma knowing the way Roma's been playing so far. Um, I don't know. Does we- it
0: does it say something about uh, Roma's general physical strength around the whole team, or especially around the attacking unit? Because – um, and this feeds into something you said about you bringing up about Pedro last week and uh, how you were saying he's diminutive and not, not the most imposing guy mm. when, in terms of looks. Um, it's not just, you know, what we've seen is not um, just Kings playing a low block, but actually willing to give away space between their, their midfield line and, and their, and their back line because they're actually, they're posting their midfield up on the halfway line to try and, you know, block, um, Roma's wide players from running forward at the same time as dropping their back line back four players deep. So that leaves a lot of space. I wish there was, you know, some way we had a, a tactical board on this. Um, so you know, I can just show you because I know that this is a part of tactics talk where people accuse us of, of getting all esoteric about minor details and, you know, getting to waffle. But the general, the general thing here is that we're seeing opponents that are, are willing to give away that, that, that space between their midfield and defense that Roma could drop a ball into if they wanted to in, in the opponent's half. But opponents don't seem to be concerned about that. We've seen them um, in this match, uh, the average, the, we look at the average position map. Um, Roma have only four of their attackers inside the opponent's half over 90 mm-hmm. minutes because um, they're so busy playing possession or ha- or in our own half trying to bait and switch. But opponents don't seem to be worried about those four Roma men. You know, that that they're, they're, they're Saying okay, we'll, we'll just keep our defenders back, you uh, know, backline. Whether it be Madureira, Costas, Manolas, or yesterday Rogerio, Marlon, whoever. Uh, it just it, it strikes me that when it comes to Jako, Mkhitaryan, Pedro, and whoever the fourth man is Roma that, that stays in in the opponent's half, opponents don't seem to be worried about Roma running through them. You know, yeah. it figures like that if if it's an even battle of four and four. Opponents seem to be pretty confident that they can they can hold them back. So, uh, what what do you make of it? Do you, you know? Is that, have you got any fingers on that, or, or are, you, are you more worried about other areas of the team?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's definitely you know Roma's played well, so maybe it hasn't stood out so much until these last two matches. But I think you know Zaniolo's kind of become a forgotten man. I think in some ways because he hasn't played at all this season because the injury came right before the first match. But I think yeah. what he offers that's lacking is starting to sort of rear its ugly head because Roma doesn't have that player. And I've mentioned it once or twice before, now that I'm starting to see it more and more, they don't have that physically imposing guy that will just run like a freight train at defenses. He might get stopped sometime. He might get his pocket picked once a while, but he is hard to take the ball off of. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, he's not coming back for at least a few more months, at least until March, April at the earliest um, with his ACL. if, If, you know, hopefully, you know, he'll come back, you know, close to what he was like last summer when he came back fairly fit, um, Roma's going to need that. And I think, like I had mentioned, he might become like a wild card type player for Roma, where if he can come back March, April, those 15, 20 minutes he might offer could be important for them to change what teams do against them. Because I think he's just such a physical specimen for, you know, one of those wing attacking midfield type players that he's so big and strong. And I think Roma is missing that right now. Yeah. I think we do need another option in that role besides Carlos Perez off the bench. Cause again, he's similar to a Pedro diminutive, um, maybe a little quicker at his age than Pedro is, but maybe not as um, quick with his decision-making because Pedro is more experienced. So there's, they're definitely missing that, that freight train type player, so to speak, who can just yeah. take people on. Um, you know, I'd love to see El Sharawi come just to give them another option, but again, he's not the most physically imposing player either. A little bit bigger yeah. than, a Pedro, but again, not a physically imposing player, more of a finesse player. Yeah,
0: so, yeah, I, 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 100% agree with you. You know, I'm, I'm actually re- regretting my words from a few weeks back where I said I, like, I couldn't find a, a, place for Zaniolo in yeah. starting that lap. You know, now, now the season is developing. We can see how much room we're missing a player like him. You know, he yeah. really put them over the top. So yeah,
1: yeah, it's, it's, it's been, I think, one of the more interesting things that we're starting to see because, like I said a couple like minutes ago, he's been not missed as much as that you, I would have thought because they've played so well. But now mm. I think we're starting to see where he could be so useful against some of these teams that are playing in this manner. And even if he wasn't starting, just to come off the bench and change the the trajectory of a match, maybe just based on a different style of play, could have I been uh, yeah. interesting. Yeah. I, feel, I feel like Romer
0: just need more more guys who can just drive the ball and, and run through opponents yeah. and, and, and do those take-ons. And uh, even though we didn't mention it in our, in our pre show notes, um I've seen some calls for Bruno Perez to, to get in the lineup. Um, you know, that, that topic won't go away about whether you should play mm-hmm. Perez or other But again, that's you know, Perez is, is not the player to, to solve that problem. He's a he's a guy who likes to play around the opponent, doesn't, yeah. doesn't run through them. So like it's like you said a couple of times, you know, Karstorp is at least a chance to, to find someone who can who can drive through, you know, drive through the opponent. But um some days it some days he's in the mood, some days he's not so far.
1: So, and, yeah. and yesterday with Karsdorp, because I've been, you know, wishy-washy on Karsdorp too. He's hot and cold in my opinion. I thought yesterday mm. was one of his better matches, uh, especially defensively. He yeah. seemed to turn it out, especially late in the game. He made a great tackle in the box, last-ditch challenge. Yeah. He was playing a little bit more physical, a little more aggressive. And I really like to see that because I was on a, um, the Couchland podcast this past weekend with David Almayal and – he asked about Spinazola and Karsdorp, and I said, you know, I wasn't as high in Karsdorp as he was. Um, mm. And I said because he can turn off sometimes. And I thought he did exactly what we needed him to do yesterday. I thought he was one of our uh, better players in what we needed from him yesterday. I agree. He went. He went the whole night yeah.
0: yesterday. Um, he made that that last this change where he took all of the ball right at the end of the game. But that same moment also still throws <laughs> some question marks over uh, um, does Karsdorp just play his own game does he not care yeah. about the team's tactics because if you think about it what is he doing on that side of the yeah pitch he was on the left side the of the goal yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he has no business being there even though yeah. he, made the right, he made the right move but it just he's a bit of a maverick you know like yeah. um he everything he does even defensively he looks like a player who's asking um what can we do to get back in attack yeah and uh sometimes he will He'll switch positions with someone else and, and let them do the dirty work, so that they can feed the ball to him to get back on the attack. Yeah, there's no, there's nothing wrong with that if if um, that's what the team has agreed to do. Which, uh, having seen how much Roma play Spinozola and Karsdorp more inside now, like they don't they don't necessarily stick them uh, stuck, they don't necessarily have them stuck to the to the wings. Sometimes you see Pedro move out wide, uh, make space for Spinazzola to cut inside. And vice versa on the right side. So it seems like the players are more or less um, convinced Fonseca in this case that uh, he's got to work with what he has and 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 like think up some new new kind of football that we have we've never seen in Fonseca's career before. Um, you know, if if that's all agreed with the coach beforehand and the team is working on the same page, then fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, Cardinal can be a maverick all he wants, but if it's just him doing his own thing, then he better start doing some like some top level performances to justify you yeah.
1: Know? it yeah it is a bit ironic that the play work you know i'm complimenting him on is he's basically yeah. out of position and made yeah. that play so it, it is a bit funny um i thought spinazola had another good match i thought the wings were were fairly strong yesterday which to me also a bit funny and in, in that was that the, the wings looked like the worst part of the pitch to play on yesterday with the amount of rain that there was and mm-hmm. you know Spinazzola still was able to use his speed in some instances especially as a master Wore on and the rain slowed down. Um, and Roma looked to counterattack more. Um, but I was looking at the position map. They're still very heavy on him pushing up high. He was actually pushed up higher than Mikatarian's average position. The only player pushed up higher than him was Pedro who played very, you know, only 40 minutes of the match and Dzeko who's the striker. So Spinazzola is still very heavily involved in the attack down the left in terms of just average position. Um, Another player who I thought had a, a good game was Pellegrini. He seems to be uh, important in Roma's midfield right now. I know he has his detractors. Um, you know, social media is very mixed still on, on Pellegrini. I don't know if he gets a little more flack because he is a Roman-born player. We see that a lot with the Roman players. Um, but I thought he had another – is,
0: is this social media
1: in terms of Roma social media or is it general like Italian football? Um, it's a lot of people who follow Roma from what I've seen. Yeah. Some defenders, some, you know, not defending him. Um, I thought he had another pretty good match. He was actually rated by who scored as the man of the match, um, with an overall rating. I thought eight is a little high. Their ratings are a little inflated sometimes, uh, who scored, but I thought he had a pretty good match. Let me go through his stats real quick. Um, and I think part of the reason why he's becoming important, like you mentioned Roma's sitting back deeper. So his passing ability is a little more valuable, maybe deep in the midfield. Do you think that could be part of the reason why Fonseca likes him more in this uh, deeper role this year? Is it because the counter attack? Yeah. Yes.
0: And no, um, I, I, I think you're, you're correct. And at, st- at the start of the season, I would agree. I would agree with you because uh, teams ha- weren't playing in the way that we've seen Napoli and Sassola play against us mm-hmm. in the last few weeks. They were, they were either playing uh, the low block, as you said, or sometimes maybe they, they push up all the way higher. Um, if, if they push up all the way high, then you want uh, Pellegrini more as an attack in the, field, the fielder sorry, than a mediano. But mm-hmm. mostly it was teams starting to drop deep, like the whole 11 or 10 men behind the ball. So you know that the, the time and space on the ball is to be found further back. And that's where Pellegrini pushed back. But now, um, you know, if we're going to talk about the importance of Pellegrini, I agree with you in terms of like his performance as a... On an all-round level, are really, really good. Um, there's not more that I can ask for him from the player that, from the player that he is right now. Um, he's he's definitely grown exponentially this year, um, especially defensively. Like you brought up last week, you know, I've seen him do um, interceptions high in, mm-hmm. in the opponent's half where he's, he's read the play correctly. You know, he, that wasn't previously a strength of his game, but now his, his read of the game and where to cut up the ball early has come on leaps and bounds. So he's he's helping Rumble win back possession in that sense. And that's, that's not something I expected of him this year, but he's, he's done that. But um, still, he's not a player who can cope when you, you take away time and space from me you know, in those, you know, we we're just talking about how we need guys who can just muscle through. And, uh, you know, if you, even yeah. if you take away space from them, they'll find, they'll make space for themselves by, you know, just basically taking up a, a sledgehammer to your defender and just, you know, going through it. Um, he's not that guy. And, when you're not that guy, then you need to be the person who has a, a really deft touch of the ball where you can, you know, you can trick an opponent into coming onto you and give him a slip. And, you know, Pellegrini, I've got to say, in, in some instances, in the final third, he's underrated in that sense because I looked at his stats at the end of last season. He's got a lot, he's got a lot of nutmegs for mm-hmm. any player in Serie A. You know, he can, we saw it yesterday. Um, there was a, a moment where I think he was on the edge of Cesaro's box and, and he actually did a dummy uh, to fool the defender uh, and put in a great cross so he yeah. he can he can take on his man when he 's got that time to think about it and make that run up and, and then make the decision but if you're pressing him and like his back is to goal or he, you know if you're just if you 're in his face before he 's even received the ball he's a different player you know, have yeah. taken every every confidence you know every source of confidence away from his game and that's you know that that makes him someone who isn't the solution to what Roma is about to face, which is um, teams are going to not necessarily play the low block and uh, have all ten men by the ball. They're just going to take away space from the, specifically Roma's midfield department, and that's you know that's that's playing into Pellegrini's weaknesses. So
1: yeah.
0: it's you got to ask: Is is Fonseca now going to have to shift Pellegrini back forward again to the front, you know, from uh, two behind Jerko, or what's what's his next move? Is he going to sub him for another player? I, I don't see. Pellegrini dropping out of starting lineup because you can't criticize his actual effort and his results. But, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if he's going to be in Mediano for, for the rest of the season. Then about you. How do you feel? about Yeah, it?
1: it'll be interesting. So I thought he put in another good all around performance. Like you mentioned, uh, he had five key passes, uh, three accurate long balls. He put in three accurate crosses out of 13. A couple of those are those corners where I think Roma intentionally plays them short because yeah. when he wants to, he seems like he can put in a nice cross. I don't know if that's, uh, direct instruction for some of those short corners, um, but that's besides the point. And then even defensively, he had two total tackles, which is tied for tops on the team. Yesterday, four interceptions, which led the team uh, a clearance. So his all-around game has been good. You're right; he does have definitely have some weaknesses in his game. Um, he did have two successful dribbles though. you had mentioned. One of them, he drew a couple fouls. So he's putting in some good all-around performances. Definitely, uh, if he gets a you know a more physical defender on him, he's not the strongest on the ball. He's not the most physical player. So Roma's, again, lacking a player, not only in attack, but also in midfield that would physically, you know, physical imposing run at players, him and VR are not those players. That was a combination yesterday. Um, I think VR, um, rather than VR, Vertu is a better partner for him. Vertu was unavailable yesterday um, because Mm. he provides a little more of that Grinta that we see that we used to see from on and De Rossi and players like that. I think that's one of the big differences with this Roma midfield and that Roma midfield of that, you know, champions league semifinal team is that on that team, Strutman, De Rossi and Angolan all had that green. So they all had that, you know, muscle when we needed it. Um, With VR and Pellegrini, we don't have that. Diawara can, can put in a tough challenge sometimes there too. We know he's a tougher player, but that, that is one difference. So I think Pellegrini, when he does play that more Mediano role, he might need a little bit more of that there too, next to him, that hustler, that Garinta. Um, but I, was, I, I, go I got,
0: to, I got to be honest, uh, I, I don't, I don't miss the days of Deadassie Stewart and Englund. Uh, mm-hmm. I know, I know it seems crazy to say that, but it used to drive me mad that we had three, free brawlers in midfield that could not unlock defenses. Yeah. And if, if, if we had teams sitting back against us, you knew on the day it would either be nil-nil, or at best one-nil to Roma. Or most commonly we'd get hit on the break and we lose the game one nil. You know, so I I would take the midfield we have now with the, the more technical ability we have on the ball to, to really um, play around opponents. But I do agree with you that there's there's a there's a marshmallow quality to the team right now. Yeah. Um in that it's it's a little bit soft. Um but I I think the softness for me um, is out wide. I feel like Fonseca's been sold, sold short in terms of he's got okay, he's got Spinozola, um he's maybe got Karstorp. And he 's got uh, Calry showing some promising signs, but um, at least two of those three names I just mentioned have to be worked into some form um it 's not like he's he 's been given really like ready made players out wide for what for what he would have wanted, so I feel like if we need to firm up anywhere it's it 's more on the wings and maybe up front uh, mm. but um in midfield i th- I just feel like given the way we 're seeing. Uh, teams figure out Roma's counterattacking play. Uh, Pellegrini Vertu, That's one play. That's one area where I disagree with you. I, I feel it's going to lead into our next question, which is uh, I just feel that when when you pressure them, they make hasty decisions and uh, they're prone to to playing it too fast and making the wrong decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I saw last week an analysis from Isra Manista on the Napoli game where you saw Pellegrini pick up the ball. Um, just in front of his Roma defense. And it was, Roma was set to break on the counter. And he had three teammates out to his left. And he had Djoko in front of him. And because he saw an Napoli player rushing towards him to close him down, he just did what he normally does when he wants to feed himself into the match which is look for the killer ball. He just he fed it over the top to Djoko. And Roma lost possession. But all, literally, all four of those teammates, including Ed and Jacko, but not just him. Yeah, the the three guys on the left side what were, were literally with their arms up to Pellegrini saying, like, why didn't you pass it out wide mm-hmm. where you know you could you could play uh, Roma into a three on one situation and instead he plays Jekyll into a one on one. And I feel like him and Vera too are those those are the type of guys where they they panic when, when you take time away from them. Um so I'm looking for calmer guys to be honest
1: in midfield, yeah.
0: Like like the like and Diawara. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, definitely a difference in terms of calmness on the ball. You could see VR even at, you know, 22 years old, not a lot of, you know, steady-odd type experience. He is fairly calm on the ball, makes those, you know, quicker little moves of the ball at his feet just to buy himself time and, and make those kind of decisions. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's just the Spanish school that he was brought up, and we know in Spain in the past 15 years, or so they like that tiki-taka, little mm-hmm. quick movement. I think that might be kind of ingrained in him a bit. Um, yeah. And I think that is certainly a place Pellegrini can improve in. Ver too. Uh, you know, Vertu is kind of in his prime, so who knows if he's going to ever add that to his game. But Pellegrini's still at 24. There's t- there's room for improvement with him. Um, yeah. So hopefully, it these is, encouraging signs continue.
0: It's, it's it's also not just like you know being technical and fancy on the ball for the sake of it. Because if, yeah. if you're just if you're just dribbling on the ball and taking time, uh, then you're you know you're not a faster player than than Pellegrini right. or Vertu. You know, it's it's actually that players like Via and Irad they seem to know the pass they're gonna make beforehand. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like they, they must have looked around them before they received the ball to, to really like take into account, okay, I've got I've got three of my teammates on the left side. I've got one on the right. So I'm gonna go left if I get the ball. Or if, but if someone if by chance someone closes me down on the left side and I can't make that pass, I'll just give them the slip and then I'll play it to the left and, and it will be I'll I'll be that extra man to to feed myself into attack and support them and uh, sometimes sometimes we is that guy who can do that but um most often that you're looking for like someone like vr um especially or diawara to to be that guy um that that's where technique comes into it it's like yeah you you give yourself more options when you have that in your locker and yeah uh, yeah that's it
1: yeah for sure um yeah and, and that that forced sometimes the back line into some some rough decisions too we noticed um sometimes Ivanias will be a little quick with the ball. We had saw some giveaways from the back line. So um, I don't know if that, you know, players like Pellegrini's decision-making leads to other hasty decisions from other players, but certainly that's an area where Roma can Im- improve on, I think we uh, we would say, is just the decision-making sometimes with the ball. Yeah, um, just,
0: just not not panicking on the pressure, yeah. you know, um, and, and re- reading the game, like really recognizing where your teammates are, uh, recognizing where you can put your team at an advantage and not not just playing to um to what you know um to, to like get your little confidence boost on the pitch that's all yeah,
1: yeah. that's, that's a critique and just one quick point on the physical physical standpoint like we had mentioned zanyola i feel like the only places we're physically like imposing at this point are players like mancini banez you know maybe smalling the center backs and then at times Jecko can be but other than that you're, you're right there's not a lot of I think fear from opponents of being physically outdone by Roma uh, in mm-hmm. many regards. Um, so just moving on to our next point, you know, Roma continues to struggle against a quote unquote top six sides. That's well not historically a top six side, but this year they are a top six side. Um, so I don't know how much this match played into the theory that, you know, Fonseca struggles against top six sides because there was a lot of different things that went into this match that didn't go in traditional match. Like, the, the pouring rain, um, you know, playing through that driving rain early and the wet pitch, the red card to Pedro kind of conditioned the match. So the performance today was better despite only having 10 men. So how much do you buy into the top six theory with a match like this? Or do you write this off more as a, a one-off where things, other factors played into it?
0: Yeah, I just, I can't see this match or the match last week uh, being one where you you can really talk about Things from a tactical perspective, whether whether Roma are set up wrong against top six sides, or whether they go into the match with the wrong mentality against top six sides, um, when when you get when you get three of your players underperforming last week, that that I mean that could maybe speak to mentality, but I I don't know. It, it kind of I think it kind of speaks to fixture congestion maybe more than mm-hmm. anything. In, in this in this COVID struck season, and then when you get this week um, your teammate sent off. Uh, a guy who'd never gamble on getting sent off because it's the first red card of his yeah. entire career, um, and as you said, the weather. Yeah, you know, there's there's too many uh, variables there for 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 me to really look like use this as a as a narrative about top six. I I keep saying I think I said it last week, but I didn't actually still haven't bothered to do research. But I'd love to see other top six teams' results against top six teams mm. to know if this is just a Roma, Roma thing. Or if it's just that we're in our in our bubble and making it about Roma when it's really just about the the season and what strange season it's turning out to be in this pandemic. Yeah, what do you I, think?
1: I think that would make for some interesting research because I feel like a lot of the time the top six sides take points off each other. We see a lot of draws at, at times. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think Roma, if they want to be a top four side, will have to take a couple more wins off of top six teams in direct competition than they did last year. I think that was one of their weaker areas last year. But this year... Going into that Napoli match, I wasn't that disappointed. Like I mentioned, the Juve match, you know, a draw going in was a good result. The Milan Mm -hmm. match, the way it played out, I thought the draw was a good result because they came back three times. But Napoli was always going to be a tough match on the road the week of Maradona's passing, you know, a team that probably had that extra motivation. And this one uh, against a non-traditional top six side, the weather and the red card, I thought played a lot into it. So I'll really be looking at that Atalanta match on the 20th. I think that'll tell us more about Roma uh, as a top six team and direct competition against top six teams going to Bergamo uh, against yeah. a team who's finished fourth ahead of them two years in a row in the top four. That's really been the team that's taken away their champions league place because, yeah, yeah. you know, they're really the team that has replaced Roma in the champions league race, you know? yeah. So I think that's that'll true. be, that'll be a little more telling. Hopefully the weather will be normal, so to speak. And, you know, nobody will get a, a silly red card to condition the match again. And we'll really get, a good idea of what Roma is against the top six team. Can they build off of the Juve and Milan results rather than follow up these, uh, the Napoli shellacking, and then this match, which was kind of conditioned, like we said. Yeah. If I,
0: if I'm watching that game and I'm, I'm I'm bringing this question about our direct rivals in mind, I would be questioning whether Roma are good enough on set pieces. And uh, like we've brought up several times in this in this episode, whether Roma are physical enough up front to yeah. really do that long ball, where you can make teams think twice about um, where should they should they feel as comfortable leaving leaving their defense in a in a four and four situation against Roma? Yeah, you know, should you, you know, if if you had if you had someone like Zaniolo uh, in a four and four, people would be thinking, okay, as soon as they pass Zaniolo the ball, is it's basically four and a half men on four. Yeah, because um, we yeah. saw
1: even when he came back last year, he yeah. like just ran past a couple defenders and some yeah. of those goals he scored were just lovely, exactly. lovely goals. And they, they yeah. are, they are lacking that. So hopefully against Atalanta, we don't have the same, the same issues like you mentioned where Gasparini reads these two game matches and he just follows the same script and Roma can't do anything about it. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Cause I don't worry about them getting outdone physically by like a Zapata against Mancini against Smalling against, you know, Kambula and Ibanez. I think we're fine physically there. I think you're right. It's in attack. We need to, be able to, to scare teams a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. So we'll see come a couple of weeks, you know, um, and then just going forward, you know, should Borja uh Myral have a bigger role? Should VR have a bigger role? Um, you know, we mentioned physical dribblers. I don't know if we have any physical dribblers or those are some of the notes we had down here on the script. What do you think about Borja and uh, VR getting bigger roles on this team?
0: Well, you know my feelings on mayoral I, I feel like he's more than earned his, his place in the starting lineup. I, I don't know if Fonseca's got it in his head that he's, he's still got one team for Thursdays and one team for the weekend. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's the reason why, you know, the whole no-subs thing is coming to it. But I feel like Meirau gives me confidence when he's on, on the pitch. I feel like um, if chances fall his way, he's going to finish them. And, uh, and, and he can contribute in the build-up as well. So um, I'd love to see more of him. Uh, Villar has definitely leaped above Diawara in, in the in mm-hmm. the pecking order. Um, he's you know he's shown the kind of play where he can be relied on for a full season now. Because let's not forget that uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, this last appearance against Sassuolo was the first time we played him, started him twice in a week, and um, he he played out the full ninety minutes against Sassuolo where He actually yeah. picked up a yellow card in the first half. So yeah. uh, if if he's if he's naive and experienced, then you're thinking he's going to get himself sent off at some it's, point. It's
1: funny you yeah. say that because when I was watching the match, when he got the yellow card before Pedro got his first, or yeah. Whatever order it was, I was like, he's the one I was worried about being the young and yeah. experienced player to get yeah. a second booking, you know, pulling down Locatelli or someone like that. Exactly. And It was, uh, it was the, the opposite. It was the veteran Spaniard rather than the young Spaniard. So that was yeah.
0: interesting. So he's, 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 He's passed a big test for me this weekend, and mm-hmm. that
1: you know, he can he can be trusted to see out a game, yeah. uh,
0: even when he's in car trouble. So um, there's no reason why he shouldn't be a starter. Uh, I'd like to see more of him. Um, uh, as you said, we we've I brought up the whole thing about whether we could have more physical guys, but who does he go to? I, yeah. I don't see too many people on the bench. Um, it's yeah. really it's Califiori for me. Um, if anything, maybe mm-hmm. maybe you could post out spinzola to the right if if he can get over that whole um, thing that he where he likes to cut in from the left you know if he can be more of a yeah. right side player then califiio spinazzola is uh, is not a bad combo to have in terms of uh, running through opponents but aside from that I, I don't see any other changes he can make how, how do you feel about Mayoral and Villas' chances.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I like what I've seen from uh, Mayoral. I haven't seen a whole ton of Europa League because of work. I did catch the end of the last match, but he was already out of the match. But even from what I saw in the Genoa match when he scored, I thought, you know, I, I think he's doing good things. And, you know, every time you see his name in a box score of the Europa League after the first couple, you know, performances which weren't great, I think he's mm. slowly earning himself at least some more Serie A playing time than the last five minutes of a match like we saw this week. Yeah. Um, you know, even looking at the calendar, yeah, we have Atalanta in two weeks, which he probably goes to Dzeko, the more veteran player. But we have the Europa League match this Thursday, which Myral most certainly starts. You have Bologna Sunday, and then you have Torino the following Thursday before Atalanta. So I think probably the Torino match, if not, if he doesn't get a lot of playing time in the Bologna match, I think the Torino match sets up perfectly for a player like Myral to get himself a start because I can't imagine Dzeko starts three matches in a week uh, yeah. with the way his fitness is right now. And then even after... Atalanta on Sunday the 20th they have another Wednesday match the 23rd right before Christmas so the schedule is still jam-packed despite the Europa League wrapping up so I think there'll be plenty of opportunities for him and I think if he starts to hit in Serie A the way he's been hitting in Europa League I think sooner or later Fonseca is going to have to give him more playing time because we've seen jeko COVID has certainly not helped his fitness but he is 34 years old um, yeah he's, he's looking slow see, yeah, I have to say yeah you know he still makes some of those killer passes in the break. We saw a couple yesterday, but the the yeah. speed is not there. So when you're trying to hit teams on the break, he'll make that pass, but then he can't follow up the pass as quickly as you'd like to make himself an option. I think sometimes exactly. Too.
0: And and referees don't take him seriously when when he when he 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 like tries to say, okay, I I would have dribbled the man if he yeah. hadn't taken me down. Yeah. And the referee just looks at him and goes, no, you wouldn't be <laughs> the pace at all. Yeah. So just to get up, you know. Yeah, and, and I, that's. I've, yeah, go
1: ahead. I was just going to say I like Jekyll and I respect him. I think he's been great yeah. for Roma, and I'm not yeah. saying boot him out the door. I just think that Myrall needs a couple more more cracks. Um, yeah, and rest Jacko a little bit more.
0: I've been I've been someone who's championed Jekyll from at least a, at least the second season, if not definitely the third, because I felt like um, uh, Di Francesco's football would not have worked at all if if Jekko hadn't reinvented himself yeah. in Rome. Um, so I really I really admired him for that, and I've I've been a champion of him since then. But this is the first season where I, I look at it as I think he's looking slow. And I felt that, yeah. I felt the same way about Francesco Totti in his last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, w- I wasn't calling for Totti to retire, but I just wanted Roma to move away from pl- him being plan A. And yeah. I feel like is, is can be the plan A because if we're talking about uh, top six teams and direct rivals, what they do have that we don't is we, they have, at least when it comes to Atalanta and, and Milan, they have a striker who stays up and, can be that long ball option. But even even when he's off the ball, he's still staying up, he's drifting out left, and he's making defenders think about what he's going to make that run behind. Um, whereas with us, we have, we're have we still stuck in false nine mode where, okay, sometimes Cristante looks for uh then with the long ball, which actually Cristante made a beautiful long ball to him yesterday, um, perfectly placed and put Dzeko one-on-one with the defender out wide. But uh, that rarely happens. O- often you'll yeah. get Dzeko winning the ball out the air, but then looking to come deep and looking for Roma players to make a run beyond him. And, you know, opponents know we're going to do that. This is stuff that we've been playing since the mid-2000s. And, you know, I mentioned it last time. I just, I wish we could see a a different Roma that that made opponents think twice about that. And uh, hopefully, I hope I hope Mayoral provides something different or gets given a different role.
1: Yeah, and on VR, I agree with you. He's definitely overtaken Diawara in the the pecking order. I thought it was pretty clear uh, midweek when they played the Europa League match uh, against Young Boys, and VR was like the premeditated sub who came off to rest his legs. I think that's been Fonseca's strategy, especially with these Europa League matches, is have those premeditated subs and get the guys out that you know are going to start on Sunday, and I think uh, we've seen him move up the pecking order. It'll be interesting to see if there's...
0: so, Villar didn't start on, on Thursday?
1: No, he started, but he came off uh, after, I think it was like oh, okay. 60 Got minutes
0: you. or so. Oh, okay. Got you. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I missed the game, so that's why. I'm
1: like, yeah, I, I just uh, saw that he had come out. It seems like with the Europa League, what Fonseca has is like these premeditated moves where he'll play someone for a half, like a Mikatarian like yeah. or someone will play for a half because he knows he needs them somewhat rested for, for Sunday. Weekend. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, this week, you know, I think Pedro probably starts and plays 90 on Thursday because he knows he's not available on Sunday. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, but I think uh, especially with Vera and and uh, Pellegrini p- potentially out on Sunday and Pedro definitely out and we'll probably talk later in the week I don't want to get too much into it because I know we're running a bit long but Fonseca might have some interesting decisions come Sunday against Bologna because if Pedro suspended and Pellegrini is hurt that basically leaves Carlos Perez as your only option next to Mkhitaryan which mm-hmm. then leaves possibly Vera out and then you're probably forced to DOR and VR and your options off the bench are very, very thin. So that, that could be interesting on Sunday. could be an interesting uh, caveat to that match as they try to break down Bologna who can be tough defensively at times. Um, yeah, I've,
0: I've got no problem with it as long as uh, VR attacks. You yeah, know,
1: It's um, We've
0: spoken about it before. I, I don't think you're, you're going to get uh, that all-round performance from DOR anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really going to be left to VR to do most of the running. Yeah. And can, can he handle it? I don't know. I guess we might have no option but to find out.
1: Yeah, so we'll see. So, Sean, any uh, parting thoughts before we sign off for today?
0: Well, I just feel that the season has been has thrown so many variables so far that it's, it's hard to really take a narrative and run with it. But uh, for me, I just hope that we see more of Karstorp. I know a lot of people disagree, but I hope we see him keep his, his form going up in the right direction and uh, somehow we find a way to run through teams um, and I'm missing Zaniolo. I regret, I regret my words from a few w- weeks back. He can't come back soon enough. <laughs> so <laughs> that's me. <laughs> How yeah, about you?
1: I agree. Um, Thursday, I'm looking forward to hopefully maybe seeing some of those younger players like Calafiore again, since the game is pretty much meaningless. We've already topped the group. And then, like you said, I hope we're we see an aggressive attacking team against a team like Bologna on Sunday, who's uh, you know, bottom half the, the table type team, but, We'll see, like I mentioned earlier, we'll see what kind of lineup FunSec has available to him and hopefully Roma can pull it out. Um, and on that note, we'll leave you. Hopefully, we'll talk to you guys again later in the week. And uh, let's hope for a couple more Roma wins in the Europa League and hopefully study on next weekend.